hoping no one says amen to that. But we have a member of our church, uh, Anj, and his wife, Grace, are seated right over there. Uh, we'll have them come up on the stage at the end of the service. But Anj was a refugee in Rwanda, fled Rwanda, and was a refugee for 13 years. And a few years ago, when he told us his story in our membership class about how he met Jesus, I said, you, we gotta, we got to figure out a way to tell your story. And it just so happens that today we're going to get to... To hear his story and as you listen to his story and you hear about God's mercy you hear about how we are called to forgive because God has forgiven us you hear about how even in the the most horrific circumstances that that God's mercy met Anj in those moments and I can't help but think there are a lot of people still in our community and all over the world who don't know so as you listen, I want you to pray about what God would have you do this year, how you could be involved in more people hearing about Jesus. At the close of the service, we have an opportunity if you would like to come forward and you can put your card here on the altar and just pray and ask God to provide. Uh, if you want to just put it on the way out, you can put it in one of the connection boxes on the way out. But I, I would encourage you, as we watch this video today, I pray it would encourage you to realize that in, in whatever circumstances you are in right now, God sees you in those circumstances, and God is still good. Hey, good morning, Hallmark. We are in our atrium, Greenhouse Coffee, and we want to welcome you today. We have uh, really a special guest, a friend. This is Anj Rakundo. And Anj and his wife, Marie Grace, they have been a part, members of our church for the last, really, th was it been three years? Yeah, about three years. Three years. And so when he told me his story, uh, I thought in that very moment, we, we got to figure out a way for Anj to tell Hallmark to tell you his story. And so that's what we're going to do today. We want, we want him to share his story and how, you know, God is writing a story. That's what this whole week has been about. God is writing a story. And he wants us to join the story. And the best way for us to do that really is to tell our story. So I appreciate you, Anj, uh, willing to share your story today. Yeah, before we get into our questioning, uh, I just kind of wanted to give those watching uh, a broad overview of what God has brought you through so they can have some perspective uh, on these questions. And so, Anj, when you were just eight years old, uh, you lived with your family in Chigali, Rwanda. And on a regular morning, you wake up early to take care of the animals of your, of your household and you see some, some strange things going on with your neighbors. Uh, there's a little bit of panic in the air. Uh, they're getting ready to leave and they tell you that the rebels are coming. And so you run in and you tell your family uh, that we need to go and, and everybody's awakened and you gather your items because a rebel force is invading the town you live in and they're literally killing uh, everyone in their path that does not belong to their tribe. And so at just eight years old, you're gathering what you think you need uh, with your father, your mother, your older brother, your twin sister, your little sister, and then a little baby brother. Right. And in a rush, you gather what you can and you start to run away from your home. Right. Uh, you're fleeing for your life. And that begins a 13-year journey wow. as a refugee, uh, traveling place to place, unsettled, 
living in refugee camps um, in a very unstable political environment, um, always running for your life. And, and that's hard for us to comprehend and imagine. And you have detailed that journey in a book that you wrote. And so this book will be available uh, after our service today. And so we're not going to cover all the details, but I wanted to give you an overview of what Anj has experienced uh, in relation to our questions. Um, and you're here to share that story. And then in 2007, after 13 years on the run, you were able to board uh, a plane chartered by the UN and you flew to the United States. I think first in New Jersey is where you landed and then you ended up in Denver, Colorado. That's right. where you made your start. And there was snow on the ground. Oh, definitely. And so culture shock. <laughs> what was it like to see snow for the first time? I never know what it was. <laughs> How cold was it? Oh, I believe it was a, a bad freezing temperature. <laughs> yeah. What did it feel? The airport. Yeah. What did it feel like? I mean, it was a joy and a, a fear at the same time because I'm joy to land in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and the fear to know not to know what is going on because it was so freezing from a, a hot equatorial country. Right. And you land here, it's freezing, and you know this is where you're going to be starting your new life. <laughs> oh, so well. um, it's a, it was a confusion, oh, it was yeah. a confusion. But again, you just got to go through it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think as Dave has kind of outlined your story, 13 years as a refugee. You know, I, I would encourage you to get the book after church today because it really goes into detail. And, and I uh, reread it for the second time, kind of preparing for this. And I, I think one of the things that um, was, I don't know, a burden in my heart was thinking for the most formative years of your life, you know, from 8 to 21, right. you didn't have a place where I'm going home. What does it feel like, uh, you know, as a boy not to have a home? What, what, what Could you express what that... I know it's hard to express it, but could you just kind of give us an emotion of what that was like? Yes. Uh, at the beginning, um, I was I was young, so usually at eight years old, kids don't have a, a perception of what is going on in life. Right. Until a few years later, when you start going back and you say, oh, these are really what was happening. So uh, as Dave said, I, so basically I left in a rush in 1994 with my family on a backpack. It was like a, a rushed uh, vacation or camping trip, right. but it was way different than that. Uh, but I left uh, my home and then went to my grandpa, my grandfather's house. And uh, we thought maybe, you know, after uh, a few weeks, things are gonna be fine and then we're going to go back home. And, but when we were attacked the second time from my grandfather's house and they start sleeping outside from that night, that is when I realized that I'm not gonna have home anymore. Oh, wow. And, and uh, I mean, so basically it felt like it was an, um, a long, unfair, undeserved punishment. Hmm. And uh, overall, we were like a um, frightened, homeless, hopeless people on the move. Wow, yes. During that time when you're running, and I can only imagine uh, experiencing that because mm. I never have personally, yeah. Uh, what was the darkest moment? I know through the book you document, you know, being attacked, literally bullets flying through the air. Yes. Uh, people are lying there lifeless. Um, your own family being separated, you know, moments of anxiety and stress. And then when you do finally arrive somewhere, you're living in a tent, a canvas tent, um, still not sure when you have to leave again, always right. being 
packed and ready to move. Uh, during all of that, what was your, what was the darkest moment uh, for you as a, as a young man experiencing all of that? And then looking back on it, Anj, and, and I think you can only say this looking back, is where was God in that moment? Okay. Um, darkest moments, they were all over, and it was multiple darkest moments. Um, yes. So I would say uh, the darkest moment was when I got separated with uh, uh, my father, my brother, uh, my twin sisters, and uh, when I lost my little brother, I mean, that did not happen one day. It mm -hmm. was just one event after another. The first time I got separated from my brother and my, and my father, and then a few, few weeks later, it was just me, my mother, my sister, and my twin sister, and my little brother. Then we lost my little brother. That was a really dark moment because uh, uh, he, he passed out because he was tired, he was uh, hungry, and he was sick. And uh, you don't have a, a way to take care of a, a kid when you're running. No medical, no food, no, no nothing. So basically, we just had to lose him like that. So that was a really dark moment. And by then, I, I, I was already awake from my childhood. I knew kind of what was going on, because yeah. that was a few years after the beginning of the, uh, uh, the, the journey. So, and then I lost my twin sister, who was my best friend by then. I mean, I didn't, she didn't know that we just got separated during an attack. Like, mm -hmm. right now, if something happens, and uh, we're probably not gonna, not gonna run the same direction. One is gonna go back here. So that is how I got a separate with my twin sister. And uh, that was in 1996 or 1997. Mm -hmm. And I never saw her since then. So that was, that was some a dark moment that I still think about because I, I wish I knew if she's, a st if she's alive or dead. Wow. At mm -hmm. least I can have a, a closure, me or my mother and stuff. So mm -hmm. those are uh, some of the big uh, moments. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the fear, um, sometimes when you're running, sometimes you get caught, you know, the person who's, a pers who's a purchasing or pursuing you, sometimes they get closer. Mm. And when they get closer, that is a really frightening moment. So yes. you get scared because that is when uh, you can't go anywhere and you just have to fight or hide. Mm. That is a frightening moment because you don't know if you're going to be alive in the next right. two minutes or five minutes. Mm. Yeah. So those were really uh, bad moments. Um, to your question, where was God at that moment? Um, I thought about that question a lot, but, but before I give a, a one sentence uh, answer to that question, I would like to make a, a couple of references to the Bible. Um, through, throughout the Bible, there are a lot of uh, verses that talk about refugees mm -hmm. or people running away. Uh, first, in Genesis chapter 12, we uh, we learn how God tells Abraham to to leave his country and go to, to leave his father's house and go to where he's going to show him. So basically, Abraham is leaving his home right. and going away. I mean, he's going to be living in Egypt as a refugee or as an as a foreigner, mm -hmm. and uh, it is not going to be easy for him, as uh, mm -hmm. most right. of us already know. So that is a that is the first time. I believe that when we see someone running away from, yeah. so this the refugee situation backs all the way back from the beginning. 
in, uh, in Matthew chapter, chapter 2, uh, Jesus and his parents are running away from persecution. Right. The king is trying to find the kid who was born, so the parents have to run away yep. so that they can protect the kid. So that is another story. And uh, uh, Jesus in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, uh, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parent, that he was born blind? So who sinned that we are all having all these problems? Mm -hmm. But Jesus said, neither, his, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But his, this happened so that the works of God might be revealed in him. So basically, to, uh, to answer the question, in that moment, God was there. He was just executing his uh, master plans, mm -hmm. as he has always done in history and in people's lives. So we're probably not going to understand where he was or what he was doing, but we knew he was right there doing his work. Mm. Amen. So. And so let me speak to myself. Like me personally, it's, it's hard for me to hear your story um, and put myself in that because I, God has blessed me so much. But then it's like such an encouragement to hear you say, it, it's almost like I'm, as I hear you tell your story, I'm, I'm living out or I'm seeing lamentations lived out. Because right. then the answer was, as, as Jeremiah wrote there, he said, but then I recall this to my mind that God was faithful, yes. that his love never fails, that his mercies are new. And I think, what a different depth of that verse you have than I do. And, and so I think in those moments of, you know, all, I mean, you, again, I'll encourage you to get the book because there's no way we can get all the details of this story. But I'm just kind of curious in, in the craziness of life and, and fearful, like you said, you don't know when the next day you're going to have to run and grab your bag and go. Uh, were, were there moments when you look back, you know, now as a grown man and you're a father of three, do you look back and think of memories? Uh, you know, when I was 10, I remember there was a time of fun. There was a time of joy. Maybe share a little bit of that. Um, I really spent all my uh, uh, teenage years um, in the dark times. So mm -hmm. I, that is what I usually say. I can't miss what I did not live my teenage years. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is going to affect me in some ways, or hopefully not. Uh, hopefully not in bad ways. Um, but I really would not say. Uh, um, but throughout all this journey, there were some good moments. Um, right. The basic good moment is when I woke up in the morning and saw the sunshine. Yeah. That mm -hmm. was a bright moment every single day because someone probably did not wake up from that night. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time of uh, that was a. The basic one of knowing that this is a bright day, and uh, and uh, throughout the the journey, uh, well, I didn't know how, I was with my mother. We didn't have money, cause we ran out of the money and everything. But we did not die of hunger, mm. so there was food all the time. So that was a miracle for us to to live months uh, like homeless without a, without a money, without a credit card, without a food stamp or government assistance. But you still survive, you find food. So when I look back, I was like, I think our journey was a kind of, a, I would kind of relate to the same journey because mm -hmm. 
we would wake up in the morning, not knowing what we're gonna eat, but we'll still make it through the day, we would find food. So the nature that God created in those uh, forests, the nature was feeding us. Wow. So you would walk all day, then you would find food where nobody would been there for years to, to, uh, to plant whatever you're going to eat. Right. And would, okay, how did this end up here? Right. So it was our manna. That was say God was there. He probably knew, like a, maybe in 20 years, some refugees are going to go through these jungles. Wow. Let me do this, that way they're not going to die. That way they're going to know that by providing this, this food, Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about them coming here. I didn't want them to die or to starve. So those were some bright moments that I would say that, I, um, that we went through. And uh, along the way, there were people helping, people who you don't know. They're going to offer you water on the street because mm-hmm. they're going to sympathize. They're going to say, this person is hopeless, probably is going to die in the next few days. Let me just offer him, because I remember this old lady who gave us water when he saw me and my mother running with a known we were going, just say, take water, that is the best I can do. So, and uh, I also talk about uh, this guy who hides us in one of the darkest moments when we're hiding like in a really small area, you know, when they were taking, taking uh, over the city where we got cut, so we ran and then we arrived to the place where we could no longer move because there was water everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we could not use our feet anymore. So we had to be there and then we got cut, but we were hiding in uh, somebody's backyard in like a really, really tiny place for like hours waiting to die because we were shooting everywhere. Mm-hmm. That person was able to hide us knowingly that they're gonna die if they found out they're hiding us. Wow. He saved our lives because if we, if she kicked out of on the street, we probably were going to be uh, killed on the spot. Mm. Wow. So that is just one example of people helping others, people who you don't know. Yes, that we don't speak the same language, mm. but it's just God working uh, through other people to uh, you know, right. accomplish His mercy. Mm-hmm. So those are good moments, and uh, of course the moment when I learned that I was coming to US, oh yeah, a big country. Yes. Uh, that was a bright moment. I was like, oh, finally, at least I'll be able to put the, secu- the insecurity problem behind me and focus on the future. Mm. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, your perspective is so different yeah, from sure. myself and John, for, for, from those watching, uh, experiencing so much suffering, a lifetime of suffering, right. maybe three lifetimes of suffering in a 13-year span. Right. Uh, so f- because of your perspective, I'm very interested to hear what you would tell us and those watching, what should we value in this life, Anj? Yes, I guess that that would depend on, uh, as you said, on uh, the past. For me, basically, I would be speaking on what I think. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone, is going to, someone from my country is going to have a different perspective, <laughs> right. but those are uh, relatives. Um, but for me, I would say peace. I have three things, or, or maybe, maybe four. Mm-hmm. Peace would be something that I would value most because without peace, mm-hmm. everything else does not really matter. Because does not does not matter if you have a uh, if you have a cars or a big house. If you don't have a peace, because I remember just real quick, uh, one of the big people that were running together, he was like a really high in the government, and uh, he had the cars and everything and the big, you know. So he was an old man. 
So basically, while we were working, he was uh, being driven in a car very comfortably. But we got to the point where cars could not go anymore because the car cannot, we did not have a four-wheel drive back then. So cars could not go to the hills, right. could not go through the bridge, tiny bridge. So basically, the car, they had to leave the cars there and start walking. So that means if you don't have a peace, it does not matter what you have or who you are. Yeah. Yeah. A peace, because you don't know what is going to happen. Mm. And the next, I would talk about in, uh, security. Mm. You might have a peace, but if you don't have a security, because you don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. Mm. I know a lot of the uh, people who are the money, who are selling stuff, but when you don't know, when something happens tomorrow, what you have, you might lose everything that you have. Because mm. right. we had neighbors who had like, big stores with a lot of uh, merchandise, but because of the insecurity in one of the countries that I live, because of insecurity, if some, if there is like a political um, disturbance or something, people are going to come in and break your store and uh, beat you up. And so that is an insecurity. So mm. if you don't have a security, you, I mean, you don't even want to work or you don't know if uh, where you're working, if you're going, people are going to come take it tomorrow, if you, right. you work, you're right. wasting your time. So. Uh, and another thing that I really value most is the acceptance of who you are and what you have mm. at this specific moment. Mm. Because uh, someone somewhere is struggling or dreaming or praying to have what you have or to be who you are. Mm. Um, if you are a CEO or you are a father yeah. or a mother, someone is trying to be a father Someone's trying to be a mother or a CEO or right. a pastor of this church. Uh, so just accept who you are, that you value what you, who you are right now. Mm. You probably want to dream to be someone better, but at least go ahead and accept who you are yeah. before you go. And uh, accept what you have. Because if I have a house, I'm probably going to say I have a smaller house when I look at my neighbor has a bigger house. Uh, yeah. But at least you have that house. If you drive downtown, you're going to see a homeless sleeping in a tent. Yeah. That person will wish they could sleep in your garage. Mm. So the problem that sometimes we don't really uh, value what we have. Before yeah. we are a human, we always want to move on and get better things. But uh, it really is good to value what we have at least. Wow. And, uh, and finally, the faith comes into all of those. Yeah. If you don't have peace or security or acceptance of who you are or what we have, at least having faith, because mm. faith can give you security, mm -hmm. or the hope for security, can give you peace in mind, mm. and it can help you to accept who you are and what you have. So faith kind of comes on the top of everything. Amen. Wow. Amen. Yes. That's exactly, I mean, that's, that's powerful. Uh, that's what Paul was talking about, wasn't it? Like <laughs> yeah. that I can have joy and I can have peace, I can be content but in Christ, uh, you, you know, uh, what a valuable thought. Uh, it's one thing for me to get up and say, you know, be content with what you have. Uh, yeah, so to interrupt, and also, uh, especially what you have, because uh, let's say if you have a, you have a freedom to be able to, uh, to participate with your faith community mm -hmm. and praise God, there's a lot of people who, don't, who mm -hmm. wish to have a place to mm -hmm. come in every Sunday to pray, but they don't have that choice if you look into all, all the countries where right, mm -hmm. the persecution. You wish you to have a faith community, someone who you can go to say, hey, I need help. That, those are things that we value what we have, because that is what we have. 
that other people don't have. They wish they would have. I wish I could have someone who can talk to me about Jesus Christ or mm. someone who can invite me to church or to do this. So, yeah. But a lot of people here, we have it. Yes. But sometimes we don't really realize it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I would just love for you to share uh, that kind of what it was. How did, how did you find Christ or how did he find you? Uh, he probably found me because uh, uh, he knew that uh, he was going to use me for uh, different reasons in the future. Mm. So he knew that uh, I had suffered and that was the right moment to get me before I get to you. Yes, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so this uh, guy started uh, f- f- uh, seeing people, friends who, who were Christians and uh, they started inviting me to go to the congregation. Then I started going there and uh, I started learning uh, the truth, the good news of the, uh, the gospel. And then I, I had a lot of time because I didn't have a TV or a computer or games or friends to go visit or hang out with. So basically I had a lot of time to read uh, anything uh, talking about Bible, mm-hmm. anything talking about um, uh, Christianity. So I was reading, as you said, Billy Graham's was my favorite one. He was an American, of course, I didn't know a lot of things about it, but <laughs> I liked the message right. so that I can find out the truth or, and uh, find out who that Jesus or that person who, is, who, who helped me throughout all this, all this issue. That I, so it was easy for me to connect God's mercy to me still being alive at that moment. Wow. So, uh, and then I was like, uh, I have to invite this person in my life because he's been with me without me knowing. So now I want him to be with me now that I know that he was there. So that is how I, I asked one of the pastors there that I wanted to accept Jesus. And then uh, we walked down to a river, the mm-hmm. bank of the, uh, one of the river between the two countries. Then I was baptized on the bank of the river and accepted That's Jesus awesome. from there. Yeah. Praise God. That is awesome. I think uh, when I hear your story, and I, it amazes me that you said that God was merciful, yeah. that you were still alive, yeah. because many people blame God for every mm-hmm. horrible thing in their life. And uh, I think one of the most difficult things for us as believers to do is to be like Christ yes. and forgive those who have hurt us, forgive those you know, who are responsible for our suffering. And so I'm going to ask you a pretty big question. Um, have you been able to forgive those who were responsible for displacing your family, for murdering your neighbors, uh, for, for causing 13 years of your life being lived as a refugee? Have you been able to forgive those people? Uh, yes, I have been able to forgive those people uh, because of uh, different reasons. The first one is that uh, what you said, and I could uh, say it again, God commands us to forgive others mm. the same way he forgives us. Yeah. So that is a commandment that what Jesus wants us to do. Yeah. And uh, so having Jesus in my life, I have to obey that commandment if I can, mm. and I can. And, uh, and the other reason is that uh, when I go back through history and uh, I look at those people who who were persecuting us or following us. Actually, recently I spoke with one person and I, I happened to find that that person was a child soldier. Mm-hmm. He was right behind us. 
when I talked about him, he didn't know that I was one of the people that he was uh, chasing in the forest. He was wow, a soldier. Wow. And I asked him, uh, do you regret it? And he said, yes, I regret those times that I spent in the forest mm. as a soldier because it affected me uh, psychologically. Because mm. he didn't know what he was doing. So that is one reason why I would forget those people. And the other people, they were just following orders, as we know. Mm. So some people were for, uh, following orders, and they were doing what they had. So those people, I would forget them just because they didn't want to do. They knew it was wrong, mm. but they still had to do it. But why not forget them? And uh, another thing is uh, forgiving is the beginning of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So if I want, if I don't want this, whatever happened to happen again, because the same thing happened back in 1959. Yeah. So if you want to break this cycle of violence every 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. there has to be a beginning. And the beginning is forgiving, forgiving mm-hmm. other people. Right. That way we can, hey, this happened, it is time to sit down and then find another way. Because right. uh, revenge belongs to God. And we don't want to take revenge in our hands. We have to take the other uh, option, which is the forgiving. Mm-hmm. And lastly, this quote from Jonathan Lockwood says, forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. Mm-hmm. Anj, whenever, we, whenever I started emailing you and asking if you'd be willing to sit down with Pastor John and I, um, you said, when you agreed, this is what you said to me in the email. You said, you said hopefully... I can use that occasion to remind people of the goodness of God and how he always unexpectedly intervenes in desperate situations. Well, I can assure you that you have reminded us of that. For sure. And our lives will not be the same, and probably theirs won't either, for your willingness to share and to be a part of our faith family and to actively serve. Anj is the newest addition to our connection team, so he greets people and welcomes them to our uh, faith family on Sundays, and so we are so thankful for you and uh, for what it took for you to kind of go back and, and relive this. And we encourage all of you to pick up this, this book after church. We, we want to make it available to you today uh, because it's just a, a powerful reminder of the goodness of God and how he can unexpectedly, unexpectedly change your desperate situation. So thank you for being willing to sit down with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, may glory be to God. Amen. Amen. Amen.